What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. From State Street and the First Midwest Bank Studio, this is WMVP Chicago, ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So glad you're with us. We have all been enjoying the Last Dance documentary on ESPN every Sunday brought to you by Coors Light. We turn now to the iconic Ahmad Rashad, who's been featured on this uh, Last Dance documentary. He joins us here on ESPN 1000. Ahmad, Jonathan Hood, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, man, no problem. No problem. Nice to talk to you, man. Well, this is boy. This has really been interesting for someone who's, who has lived in Chicago as long as I have to be able to see this documentary. It is uh, some things I've forgotten, as a matter of fact. So, how much fun has it been <laughs> for you to be able to go back and watch this documentary? You know, it's like um, it's like maybe somebody you went to high school, and then twenty years later, you sort of look back at some of the things that you did, right? Some of the things you did, and that was funny. And, and, and different situations. It was a great time in life. You know, it was just wonderful to sort of be at the center of all of that. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun to look back, just a lot of fun. You know, Michael, I, 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 he'll give you an example. We were watching, we watched the other night when uh, it was a game in New York or something. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that we remembered besides the game is where we had dinner. We had dinner at a place called Tao. <laughs> we dinner, and we had some Long Island teas. You know, and, it, and so that was, you know, as I was sitting there thinking about it, rather than talking about the basketball stuff, we were thinking about before, you know, we were just like hanging out, doing nothing, laughing, getting ready for that game, but also sitting there having some Long Island teas. It's little things like that. You just, it just pops up. It may not be in the documentary, but you remember, right? Yeah, that's what I remember. I mean, I remember both. I remember both of them, but that's just some stuff that was going on around all that stuff. It's almost during that during that time. I feel like I must have lived halftime in Chicago. I was I went to Chicago every week. I think right. Uh, well, Ahmad, you know, I look at at Jordan's career and everything that he's done as an uh, iconic, you know, great brand uh, for sports. And he didn't have to do this documentary. He didn't have to be part of it. I wonder why now is the right time for him to discuss his career and his life story. Well. In agreeing to do, and I had a conversation when he agreed to do this thing by taking this footage and letting them have the access, it was something that you were going to forever have. You have a, and, and, and I think Adam Silver said it best that, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to end up having a, some footage of that whole last year. Now, you can do whatever you want to do with it. And then just, you know, as time goes by and Michael became more and more comfortable with it, it's like, yeah, okay, let's take a look at it. Let's do something with it. Let's take a look at it. What you won't see is him explaining any of it. It's like you, you, you got what you see. That's what it was. And, and I think that it, it, it's really pretty cool because there are so many people that really don't know what that whole era was about. They don't know anything about the six championships that, that this man uh, was on a team to do that. And so to get a chance to look back at it and see it, 
from a view that no one has ever seen is is a lot of fun. It's it's pretty cool. Ahmad Rashad with me, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. It's an interesting part uh, last week, Ahmad, where Michael's laying on the couch and was thinking about just completely just shutting it down. He's on the couch. It's dark. He just wants to be left alone, but here comes that camera crew. And now, once again, his, you know, the feeling of him just being able to chill, he's, now he's got to be on again because the camera's there. The rat race, the media, fans all over him because, hey, you know, they just want a piece of Michael. They just want to just, uh, you know, they want to shake his hand. How how does that feel as an athlete, Ahmad? How does that feel knowing that, you know, there's always fans that want to just be able to talk to you, even though you just want to have uh, that chill out time walking through the, you know, walking through the hotel. You just want to be able to go from bar to restaurant without a lot of people talking to you. How lonely is that for an athlete? Well, it's not really lonely, and it sort of comes with the territory. It's better than them booing you everywhere you go or not knowing who you are everywhere you go. So it comes with stardom. And also, I think one of the weirdest things that comes with athletic stardom is that the better you get, it seems like the more people want you to fall. You know, if you win too many championships, they don't want you to win anymore. If you're too good, they don't want you to be that good anymore. So it's a weirdness about that. But Michael handled it very well. I mean, he was, you know, he, he represented the city of Chicago. Chicago, that was the Chicago Bulls. That was his thing. And I just think all the other stuff just had to go with it. You're going to be like the greatest star or the greatest player to play basketball. There's going to be times you ain't going to be able to go anywhere, you know? So, but he never complained about it, you know? And I think one of the other things of having that camera crew there, a big part of that was Andy Thompson. And Andy Thompson was a guy that worked for me at Inside Stuff. And I put him on to Michael so that they would form a bond that even when they did that, they would sort of kind of get out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, because Michael wasn't trying to dodge him. You know, whatever the footage was, he was one in charge of where it was going. It wasn't like somebody was going to come in there, take this footage, and go out and, and put it on the air the next day. It was something that he was going to take home with him at the end of the day. And I think that, you know, loneliness, eh, I don't, I don't know. It's only the normal loneliness that a superstar athlete has. You know, you have people that are close to you. You keep certain people close to you. And that's kind of the way it goes. I, I can't say anything negative about how hard it is, and because that don't even make sense. It's right. it, 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 it's hard. You got a plane. You got some cars. You got you got the, you, you, there's so many pluses that nobody's going to complain about that. If they do, I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Jerry Krause. It's not a portrayal of Jerry Krause Ahmad. It's just that's who he was. He's a guy there that was that did his job with ruthless aggression and he made trades and he was just going to be his own personality. But, you know, I just can't see Bob Myers or Rob Palenka or Elton Brand just shutting a championship down just because of ego, just because I'm not getting enough credit. I, I, how much is the Krause frustration justified from many that's watching this documentary? I don't get any of that at all. You know, and I and I also believe that players win championships, you know, not organizations, or they do it together. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly the players are the ones that are out there on the on the basketball court doing what they have to do. And I don't know. It just it seemed to me that Krause maybe felt left out, like he maybe he wanted more credit, you know, which is I don't, I, I don't maybe that's his ego. I don't I don't understand how that I don't understand that works. I also don't understand how it works where a team isn't allowed to play till they lose. That one there kind of surprised me too, by saying this is the last year 
whoa, why wouldn't you go to you don't win anymore and then shut it down? But, I mean, how hard would it be to play or coach when they're saying this is your last year? We're going to bring somebody else in. Well, whoa, 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 wow. How, how do I go to work knowing that? You know, how do we get dedicated to that? At that point, I give Phil Jackson so much credit. I believe Phil Jackson is one of the great coaches in any sport that's ever been around. For him to handle that circus that he has, those were some pretty big personalities on that team. And for him to be able to, you know, orchestrate it and have them all play together and be able to keep those guys, you know, looking at the prize the whole time, that's genius. That's really genius. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine it's pretty hard to, to coach Dennis Rodman right. you know, <laughs> and, and, and have all the other guys buy in on it. You know, somebody always gets lost somewhere. It's like, ah, oh, they're letting him do something that I don't get to do. As opposed to, hey, man, we, we just, it's not about that. We have a lot of personalities. As long as we have to do, we treat everybody differently. Everybody doesn't get treated the same. And he reminded me a lot of Bud Grant. Bud Grant was that kind of coach mm-hmm. that sort of dealt with personalities. And, and Phil did it in such a way, you know, to, he won more than six championships, but he had kind of situations at every, t- at every stop that he could sort of work through. You know, he was always able to work through it and have people play together. They didn't have to love each other, but they had to go out and play together, and they won a bunch of championships. So, you know, I think he needs to get his due also in looking at this last dance to realizing how great a coach he really was. The great Ahmad Rashad with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. You know, just to piggyback on your thoughts on Phil Jackson, there always will be Bulls fans to say, you know, if Doug Collins just could have hung in there, Doug could have been able to lead that Bulls team to championships. I said, if you watch the documentary, he was sweating through suits. It was a two or three shirt day for Doug. (laughs) He he made a cup of coffee nervous. It was just, I mean, if I'm on the sidelines, I see my coach sweating through through his suit. I'm thinking, well, maybe he doesn't believe in us. But Phil was always cool and calm. What resonated with me the most, Ahmad, is a couple of things. First, that Phil was a player, and Phil was a little bit out there when he was a player. You could see how outlandish that he could have been as a personality himself as a player. And then it, it just came across as someone that had a relationship with each player. Didn't matter if you mm-hmm. got last guy on the bench, if you were Scott Burrell, or if you were Michael Jordan. It seemed like that he had a relationship, a, a open relationship with uh, with his players. I think that made a difference as well as far as how Phil dealt with the players and vice versa. I agree with you 100%. It was like a choir that everybody counted. In order to hit that chord, everybody had to hit the chord, and then you'd have people doing solos. But the other people were supporting those people doing those solos, and that's what kept the whole group together. That's what he, it's, it's really interesting. And, and, and I, I don't know if I've – let me just tell you what, what I feel about this whole thing. I used to – when you see this last dance and, and people were saying, well, Michael was – you know, he was tough on a lot of guys. He was this way and that way and hard on this guy and all those things that you sort of see. Those are the things that go on in every locker room. And those are the things that go on when you have people that are together for six, seven months, you know, every day. And those are things back in that day that didn't get out of the locker room. You know, it's like what happens in the house stays at house. It's like a family. You could have a family fight, but you still go out and play hard together. And, and one of the beautiful things is even when you see um, some of these things and in, in, in where Michael might be a little harsh with one of his teammates, if you ever see him run into any one of those guys, like now, like he ran into him at a place or in the street or something like that, there's so much love between these guys that it's just such a beautiful thing. 
You know, it's what sports is all about. You guys came together and you did something that no one thought you could possibly do. The road was very hard to get there. It was tough. You had your ups and downs. But as you flash forward 20 years later and all of a sudden you see each other, you can see all that come out. You can see him. There's so much love between him and the, all of his teammates and vice versa. It's just a wonderful, beautiful thing that, you know, you don't have a chance to see it. I see it. But it's just that's the way it was. They had a great time and they had um, – they had great squads. It just, it was a wonderful journey. Ahmad, you, uh, you gave, uh, I think, today's athlete some sage advice in that documentary, and that was if someone's accusing you of something and you get interviewed, don't wear sunglasses. <laughs> you know, it, it was funny when it happened. It was, it was when my man came in with his sunglasses. I mean, you got to take them sunglasses off. He goes, no, no, let's just do it. And the whole time I'm thinking, that's not going to look right, man. <laughs> somehow, somehow, whatever you're saying, I can't see your eyes. You know, so it was just kind of funny. Even though what he was saying was true and what he meant, is just that, well, I think, you know, maybe without the glasses it would have been better. <laughs> it would have been better. But it's funny. We laugh at it now. We laughed at it then. Yeah. It's you know, funny. It's like, hey, tomorrow they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me saying I asked you too many easy questions. And then the next thing is going to be you had them damn glasses on. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Is there something, Ahmad, that you've seen so far that you didn't know about the, the Bulls and that experience? No. <laughs> you, you've, been, you've, no. you've seen it all. Because yeah, I, I don't know why yeah. you didn't have a crib here. You, 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 from inside <laughs> stuff to, to NBC, you should have just lived here. <laughs> I did half the time at Michael's house. <laughs> I would come in on I'd come in on the night before the game like Saturday mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon we'd hang out in the afternoon we'd go to dinner or have dinner at home one or the other I'd spend the night there and then we'd drive to the game together that's the way the weeks always went and it was a lot of them I mean we had Chicago games were on every Sunday yeah big big box office big big ratings when Chicago's on for sure well it's a great it's a great sports town you know Chicago it, there's, it's second to none in terms of their fans. I mean, they got, if you can go with them Cubs that long and have that many fans, you know you live in a sports town. I mean, in a great sports town, too. There has to be, Ahmad, there's got to be a memory of you and Michael going to some bar or club in Chicago that you enjoyed the most. No, I don't remember that. Oh, Ahmad, come on. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember that. Every place was nice. You know, every place was okay. It was, you, uh, you know, Chicago's a great spot. There's a lot of great places there. Did, did you have a favorite? We didn't, we didn't have any one. We didn't have any one favorite place. No. Okay. Nah. <laughs> but, so, but they were all great. You say they were all great. Okay. They're all great. All right. Um, I, I want to ask you um, about uh, your Vikings. I said on the air after the draft, I said it's the best, if not the best, it's one of the best drafts that the Vikings had. I was. Uh, I'm really impressed with what they did. That team once again more than likely will make the playoffs in the North. Well, you know, I think for the Vikings, it's about more than making the playoffs because they've been knocking on the door for quite some time, and they've also had a group of players that have sort of gotten to the door and then just haven't gotten it done. And that opportunity in all sports doesn't last forever. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't be a contender forever. You know, it all turns around. You can, you can get to the point where you're good enough to knock on that door and be a contender, but you've got to bust through it at some point. And I think they're at that point now that they have to bust through it now. You know, they've had great defensive players. 
They've got a bunch of good players on their team, and now's the time to take it to the next level. Now, if that quarterback can come through and be the star that he is or, or supposed to be, then I think they got a, they got a pretty good chance of, of doing something. But like I said, you don't get to knock on the door too long. You know, there's always, in sports, it's always changing. It's always changing. So it, it, it's like, you know, to knock on the door, it's like climbing a mountain and getting to the top, top and then hitting mud and sliding all the way down to the bottom. Every year you start at the bottom and you try to make that climb. Well, you know, and the, a lot of luck comes in there. You got to be lucky that people stay healthy. But once you get that opportunity, you have to snatch it. So I think the Vikings' time now is to snatch it. They need to take that next step and be a real Super Bowl contender. Hope Bears fans are listening to this, saying what you're saying right now, because that's a, that's the. I mean, the Vikings and the Packers are the are the hammer and the Bears are the nail as of late. So that's the problem here in the in the uh, North Division. I'm always confused about their quarterback decisions in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't I, I don't quite get what's going on there, but. <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. The best uh, best quarterback I remember for the Bears is Walter Payton, <laughs> because he can he can run it. He can he can he can play special teams. He can do everything. Yeah, you know he's another one of those athletes that people don't really they don't even know unless you saw him. But he could he could do everything, absolutely everything. I watched him at a Pro Bowl one time. He used to always tape my shoes at the Pro Bowl. But I watched him one day at practice do a handstand and walk 100 yards on his hand. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he was he was something, man. I'm telling you, he was uh he was one of the greatest football players to ever play. And he also fit perfectly in Chicago. Yeah. There's no doubt. Well, uh, Ahmad, I'll, I'll leave you with this. My next documentary I want to see is I want to see uh, Carmen Electra's documentary because she's saying everything. Have you heard of her comments? Have I heard I've Doc heard Dennis? Her, I've heard of a lot of that stuff she says. I don't remember happening. <laughs> it's just amazing how the mind works. <laughs> like, I don't remember that. <laughs> amazing but how the mind just, works, Ahmad. Yeah, she's really pretty. So that can confuse you. Yeah, right. <laughs> she's telling it. She's telling it all. I'm like, my God, I want to see her documentary. Her and Dennis, and she's like, yeah. she's, letting it, she's letting it fly. It's like you know, some of that stuff you're not supposed to remember anymore. Well, I don't think many do people do remember it. Is there some? <laughs> some of it's a little strange. It's like I, I was honestly, I'm looking at it going. I don't remember that happening. <laughs> but you know, maybe I don't know. I don't know. But she sure is pretty. <laughs> yes, 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 she is. Well-preserved. There's no question about yeah, that. she's really pretty. And Dennis Rodman is one of the, my favorite athletes of all time. He he was the guy that, I'd, you, know, you know, we used to say that, you know, he's worth the price of admission. He played hard every single night. I respected that so much. He was really, really, really a great player. I hope that that is understood in this documentary, that he was not just – some, you know, just a just a regular dude. He carved a niche for himself as a, a top rebounder, as a great player and a great teammate. And I, I hope that that is really accentuated in this documentary because he really was. Yeah, I think it did. I think the, the other one of those segments, one or two, when there was a lot about him, mm-hmm. I think you realized that, you know, he came to work. And that's the thing that Michael really respected about him the much, the most, no matter how much crazy stuff he did or what he did away from that basketball court, when he got to practice or he got to, to the game, he played his heart out. And that's where the respect comes from. I think he was one of the greatest players to ever play. And all he, all he wanted was a, to be acknowledged by Michael like, great job, man. Way to go. 
Mm-hmm. And that's all he needed. That's all he needed. I'm glad you spent some time, Ahmad. This has uh, been a great documentary. It's good to see you up there, too, being able to uh, tell your stories. The stuff you remember, of course. I'm glad that you're <laughs> able to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, remember. I am getting old. Oh, so yeah. It's like, it like, yeah, well, yeah. Wait, how long ago was that? But it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Like I say, it's like two guys that went to high school together sitting down just regrouping on, and talking about all the stuff that happened. So many things that happened. It was a wonderful you know, it, it was a wonderful time, you know, just a wonderful time. Or you, did you ever wonder what it'd be like to be around Babe Ruth and all the stuff he did? Yes. Well, that's this documentary is being around Michael Jordan, which is like Babe Ruth. And you get a chance to see all this stuff, which is fun, which is a lot of fun. Well, I, I'm definitely having a fun time with it as a Chicagoan and a Bulls fan. This has been great for me. That's for sure. Good, good, good. Glad you're enjoying it. Ahmad, as always, I appreciate you coming on the show. Let's talk when we get college football season. I want to hear, hear more about your Oregon Ducks when we get to college yes. football season. Yes, right. Go Ducks. Let me know. All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Waddle and Sylvie. Carmen Electra joining us. True or false? Mm-hmm. Did you guys have a night of mm-hmm. escapades at the Berto Center? We did at the practice facility. Thank you for reminding me the name. <laughs> you know, Dennis was always full of surprises, put me on the back of his motorcycle, and I had no idea where I was going. And it was a day off. No one was there, and he knew it. But he, he takes off the blindfold, and I'm there standing in center court. And honestly, we were eating popsicles from the freezer, and uh, yeah, the escapades did begin. Did you miss something? They began at that point. It was it was pretty wild. <laughs> Check out the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Waddle and Sylvie, weekdays two to six on ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. It was saddened to see the uh, passing of Landon Sonny Cox. You know, we talk about icons in sports. Uh, Definitely Landon Sonny Cox with that King basketball team for generations. You remember as a kid just reading about uh, his teams and going to some of those King Simeon games uh, back in the day. Former King coach who won three state titles in 503 games, uh, passed away. I was reading Paul Sullivan's piece in the Tribune uh, regarding uh, Landon Sonny Cox. What a, a great coach. And for those that are not into high school basketball as it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Let me tell you something. It was, it was something about those games where Landon Sonny Cox, when his Kings teams came into the gym, it was just, um, it was a different temperature when they would come in because you knew you were going to see something special. Uh, Cox was born in Cincinnati in 1938, took over the King program in 1981 and compiled again, 503 wins in 20 years. Just just amazing. Robert Smith, the Simeon coach, says that Cox is a coaching mentor. And you think about Sonny Cox as someone, what I remember, going to those King Simeon games is how well-dressed he was. Three-piece suits, always had jewelry, always with the best watch. But I, he also had disdain for the media at times. That Two things. 
the media and referees downstate. Because <laughs> when you had a Johnny Selvey, a Lavertis Robinson, a Leon Smith, Amari Sawyer, Thomas Hamilton, when you saw those players being in a position to win, one thing for sure, Davis, is that he had disdain for those downstate refs because the way it was called in the public league was not called down there, uh, downstate in Peoria. And so, and he was not a big fan sometimes of Barry Temkin, who covered the uh, the high school beat in the Tribune. He, I remember after a, a really big win for King, he was like, that was for you, Temkin. That's for you. And he would just love to be able to just point the camera. Um, so I, I just remember how great he was and his tie to music. You know, he was a jazz player. Uh, he was a, a accomplished jazz musician. So I'll remember that. I mean, he, I mean, you talk about late 80s, early 90s. He was it when it comes to high school basketball. And his players still to this day speak very fondly of him. I have an opportunity to have a relationship with Rashard Griffith, and uh, he has a training academy, and he still speaks fondly of the principles and everything that was established with Son, uh, Sonny Cox with him at King. And um, Jamie Brandon was another great player. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Liberty that ended up at University of Illinois on that great fight in the Illini team in the Final Four. So absolutely, a ton of talent came through this man. And he, uh, he they all turned out to be great men. Leon Smith, I think, was the only one that battled with some things when he was drafted to the NBA. But sure. most of the guys that went through his program ended up being very good men. Yeah, so, yeah, you, you know, you talk about... Uh, you're talking about the the thunder on 44th Street, you know, over there. He he, <laughs> he had some great teams and some great battles in the public league. We'll talk more about him long form tomorrow, but uh, just want to make sure that uh, we said something about him tonight about uh, the longtime King coach Landon Cox, who passed away, um, who was um, spectacular with his teams and really churned out some great talent out of that King program. All right, if you're a wrestling fan of Norv One, tell them to come to their listening advice because we have got Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday coming up next. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN Love Chicago's home for sports. Wrestling fans, are you is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificent, you're going to be mine all night long. Here's Jonathan Hood. It is Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So glad that you're with us. Every Tuesday night, we give you something special in wrestling slash sports entertainment. You can follow our program at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget our YouTube page, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Raj Geary is the owner of WrestlingInc.com. As we have our conversation, we ask you to open up a tab and go to WrestlingInc.com. Raj joins us here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday here on ESPN 1000. Raj, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. 
Uh, well, thanks for having me on, Jonathan. Raj, this is uh, going to be some couch time for me. I need Dr. I need Dr. Raj to talk to me here about what's going on as a longtime wrestling fan. This is this is a very strange year uh, for us as wrestling fans. I'll start with the WWE. Um, what? How would you characterize what we've seen here? Raw, SmackDown, NXT with the WWE brand in 2020. Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, this you know, it's been some man said this COVID nineteen caught everyone with their pants down. It's uh, something that no one could have anticipated. Uh, not on this scale. It's kind of one of those things you always hear about, see in movies, but you don't really think it's going to happen. Uh, so, you know, as as far as wrestling goes, it's become uh, you're seeing a big decline uh, from before uh, the pandemic started to after they're doing the shows without an audience. It's really affecting uh, the. It's really affecting the product. I mean, I have a really hard time sitting through it. I have to do it for the podcast. But if I wasn't running the site, I don't think I'd be uh, watching right now. I can understand why, uh, and I think if nothing else, I think I think all of us as wrestling fans, Raj, have seen this for generations. But it really illustrates the inflexibility of Vince McMahon and the writers in the WWE, in which. You don't have fans. Okay, great. And then when you do have fans, they just sit on their ass anyway. It's not like they're making a lot of noise. But then the WWE doesn't give them a, a reason to make a lot of noise sometimes based on the writing. So I would just say this. It just shows that even without fans, there is a way to have these type of um, you know type of packages in which you can be able to accentuate a lot of these wrestlers, what their background is, kind of like what we've seen from UFC over the years, but it's like business as usual, and it's it's as if fans are there, but they're not. How odd is that, that the WWE doesn't go left instead of going the way they've always gone? Yeah, that's what uh, it's been mind-boggling to me, is not uh, you know straying away from your formula and just keeping on going every week like it's the same. You just don't have fans there, and it just comes across as awkward when you're watching it. Uh, you know, I've mentioned on Twitter, I was like, well, you know, now's the time to try some new things. Maybe make it, you know, more like backstage where you show the wrestlers arriving, and it's still scripted, mm -hmm. but you have a more realistic product where they're conversing backstage or meeting with Vince, Vince and Triple H are at odds over which wrestlers get on the show, and then it leads to a couple of matches, but that backstage drama, you know, and you, you get the, you know, you bring that out and it's something different. It's something worth trying uh, or anything is worth trying because what they're doing right now is just not working. And my fear is that they are driving away the audience that won't come back. You know, so many times when people leave a show, they just never come back. And I, I'm, I've been, that's happened to me many times. I'll stick with the show for four or five seasons. And then once I, start DVRing it and waiting a week and then the next step is just taking it off the DVR and I'm I'm gone. Raj Geary from WrestlingInc.com with Jonathan Hood on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Um, you've been writing a lot about the the ratings and it's it's so funny how um, some wrestling fans look at ratings as if it doesn't matter. Well, they, the ratings have always mattered and there's always been ebbs and flows in wrestling and television in general but what we're seeing is all-time lows, Raj, with Raw and SmackDown. Can you kind of uh, characterize how bad it's gotten as far as the erosion of numbers that we've seen from WWE programming? Well, yeah. I mean, um, Raw is basically they're down about 25% from last year. They're down, they've been down double digits each year. So it's, obviously it's more this year because the empty arena crowds are hurting it more. But it's been a, 
a gradual decline over 20 years. Um, you know, some years are worse than others. There have been a couple of years here and there that have been almost even with the prior. But, um, you know, again, it, it's kind of them being stuck in their method and in, in their formula where they don't want to get wrestlers to become too big of stars. Everything needs to be scripted so you don't have characters with their own voices. And these guys aren't actors. So when you're acting them to play a, a part as opposed to coming up with their own material and their own, you know, being their own character, I mean, who could have written Randy Savage, you know, who could have said, Hey, we, we want you to, we want you to be this or Ric Flair. We like, you know, saying you, we're giving you these lines that we would have given Harley race. You, you just can't, you need to let these guys uh, be themselves. And you're not seeing those characters. You're seeing the lack of interest from the audience. You're not seeing those larger than life stars. And it's just compounding. And it's been a year after year decline. And it's a, uh, and you don't see them making the changes that they need to, to, to become uh, popular again. It's interesting that the the focus has had been on Becky Lynch for a long time, and I could just see that that's gotten cold now um, because she's not in main events anymore, and I just always thought that that was a little bit of a reach. If you're going to have a women's revolution, have someone that could work or can really capture the, the audience's imagination, Raj. I don't see that necessarily with Becky Lynch, but I look at Becky Lynch and I look at Charlotte. I see Charlotte as the best worker amongst the the women's division, and I see Becky Lynch as somewhat of the sports entertainer that I guess Vince McMahon likes. What's the difference between the two? Because I I still feel in some ways Charlotte doesn't get her full due while Becky continues to get uh, a lot of shine. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Charlotte, and and from just an in-ring standpoint, I think Charlotte and Asuka are the two best women, uh, you know, on the main roster. Uh, Charlotte, I think, has the best overall package as far as the promo ability, the, the charisma, and it's, you know, just really standing out. I think Becky's done a great job as well. I do think she hasn't had the right kind of opponent since Ronda Rousey left that really that takes her to the next level. You know, Hogan had the Roddy Piper and, you know, uh, just having that great opponent that can really get the fans behind you that much more. But, um, yeah, I think Charlotte Flair is uh, all around the best women's wrestler that they have. I think she's the best women's wrestler in all of wrestling. Raj, in the territory days of Mid-South and Florida and Dallas, Portland, they would always want to know what what New York's doing, which was a phrase wondering what Vince Sr. was doing in New York and with the WWF at the time. It's almost like even during that time, wrestling was tied to what New York was doing. And so I wonder what the, the, the numbers that we're talking about, the numbers that you've been tweeting about um, at Wrestling Inc., I wonder how what is happening with the WWE affects other companies, AEW in particular, MLW, the NWA is there as an upstart in Atlanta. How, how does that affect other companies and their business with wrestling waning on Raw and SmackDown? Yeah, I mean, AEW has been down a lot as well. Um, NXT, uh, which is still WWE, but it is very different from Raw and SmackDown. That, that's down across board. So pro wrestling is down across the board. Uh, AEW lately they've been in the six hundred thousand to seven hundred thousand you know range, uh, and they, they they don't keep dropping each week. So they might have hit their their bottom, and this is where they're going to settle for the time being. Um, but I, I I think let's face it, WWE is pro wrestling, um, and until another company comes, until AEW really can be averaging over a million viewers a week and well over a million, it's WWE is still the giant. And, um, yeah, I mean, when people hear that wrestling is running, they're not thinking 
impact and AEW, they're thinking WWE. And so when they're seeing these, you know, the, the bad business news, uh, and it's going to make other TV networks not want to get involved with pro wrestling because WWE dominates the headlines. Um, but, you know, I think right now for the time being, because of where everything is at, I don't think it's going to have an adverse effect on any of the partnerships or the deals. Um, the one I'd be most concerned about is Fox uh, with SmackDown on Fox. But AEW, they had just re-signed with TNT for a few more years. Uh, so they, they're fine. USA, Raw is still their top-rated show. USA Network has not had any big hits in a while, so they need WWE. Fox is the one that's a little uh, worrisome because, you know, they're on network TV and they're up against real competition. And SmackDown has gone from – it's not like everything on Friday nights has gone down. Uh, a lot of these shows that SmackDown's up against, you know, the Blue Blood, Magnum, PI, they're all up. And uh, SmackDown went from being number one in that prime 18 to 49 demo to now pretty much being last among – first run programming so i mean that's the one where i could see it being a little hairy because you don't want to be last in last place um and, and, and continuing to fall so we'll just have to see where it bottoms out you know smackdown it still is year round not just seasonal so they'll be hopefully you know hopefully this summer they won't be in last place because then, then that's that's a scary um that's a scary place to be Raj, if I'm the Fox executives and I see that Blue Bloods and Hawaii Five-0 keeps kicking my ass, I'm thinking, this is what we paid for? And, and no other company, even AEW during the NBA, you know, they get some snipes here and there where they, where Marv Albert does a couple of reads for AEW, which is cool on the Turner brand. But if you're Fox and it's on the NFL, it's on all their properties, it's every other commercial on FS1, it's not like people don't know on the Fox brand that the WWE and Fox are together. And yet you still can't be able to draw a number, uh, at least a solid number. That's... That's worrisome, especially when Fox is the one doling the money out. Yeah. And, you know, this is where I really feel like they need to try and get out of being set in their ways. I mean, the one thing with AEW, they're down a lot as well. Um, you know, they were getting cl they were close to a million in January. They're in the 900,000 range. Now they're, you know, like I said, they're in the six. So they're down a lot in, in their prime demo. But they you see that they are trying new things. They're putting Chris Jericho on commentary, whereas I'm. Right now, WWE, their commentary is very bland. And so having someone on that commentary booth to spice it up, um, you know, AEW, they put a few people in the crowd. So at least it makes it more lively. Uh, you know, WWE, just, just try different things, really open up, you know, the ideas from everyone and try new things. Maybe, I hate to say it, but maybe get Vince, you know, Vince out of the creative side for now, you know, let him... Uh, let the other, the creative team and Triple H and who else, you know, come up with some new solutions and see if that works because they're setting their ways and it's it's really hurting right now at at a very bad time. I like some aspects of the WWE, especially the NXT side, and I like the AEW wants to be different. There is wrestling on there. There's listen, there's their share of entertainment that I'm not a big fan of, but I do like mm -hmm. some of the in, in ring product. I'll ask you this, though, and maybe I could ask you this maybe a year from now, but I'll ask you now on, on May 5th. With AEW not being able to reach a million viewers on you know that, that, that on the first run on Wednesdays, does AEW come across as niche programming for the wrestling fan? Because it is different than anything else you'll see. I think it does. Um, I think it is an alternative it is very different than wwe and i think that's where impact always got hurt but right now you're not seeing the larger than life stars outside of chris jericho you know and and that's what usually draws in new fans to pro wrestling whether it's 
the NWO or Hogan or, um, you know, Steve Austin, The Rock. It's these larger than life characters. And, and you've got a lot of independent wrestlers on AEW that are probably not going to appeal to a non-wrestling fan. Uh, so to bring in a new audience, you, you need to, you know, look for charismatic guys um, and and girls and, you know, have them, you know, whether it's cutting promos, um, vignettes, whatever, but entertaining to a point where it's bringing in a new fan base and not just the diehard wrestling fan base. That's, you know, we're, we're starting to see that dissipate as well. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. How you doing? Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood and on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. We ask you to go to WrestlingInc.com while uh, we have our conversation about what's going on in pro wrestling at this point in time. Uh, Raj, is, is Seth Rollins okay? Is, is, is he all right? That, that persona <laughs> is so sad. I don't know what this... Because if you are a leader, are you supposed to be talking into your shirt? Are you supposed to be monotone? Are leaders monotone this way? It's um, right. it's a very odd, very, very odd uh, decision-making to make a dynamic superstar on that roster come across that way. It's, um, it's a complete a left turn than what I expected. Yeah, I mean, to me, because I, I, I've always loved Seth Rollins' his first heel run when he was with the Authority. Mm-hmm. He was a cackling heel, attacking edge, you know, <laughs> trying to break his neck. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought Rollins was great there. And now they've taken that away. He's he's just slow. I think he's trying to be methodical. But you see other people that have played this kind of cult-like character, uh, whether it's CM Punk with the Straight Edge Society, you know, Bray Wyatt, obviously. And they... They had so much, you know, they they pulled it off very well. Whereas Seth, it's brought him down. And in my opinion, he's just really dull right now with this character. Some people, I'm, you know, like with anything, some people are going to like it. Some people are going to like salmon-flavored ice cream. But I, I find this Seth Rollins to be, his promos and everything, just really hard to sit through. Just very odd. <laughs> it's just, it's just yeah. very, very interesting. So um, do you have any expectations uh, before we get to Money in the Bank? Because uh, that's the next event for the WWE. Anything that stands out that you're looking forward to? <laughs> um, you know what I'm looking forward to is the, uh, the Undertaker series on WWE Network that's coming out. Uh, <laughs> I feel like they do a fantastic job with those documentaries. And, yes. you know, Dark Side of the Ring is another documentary that's been airing lately. And I, I, feel, I feel like that stuff has been really great. And I, that's, that's stuff that's kept me excited. But as far as... What's coming up? I'm looking forward to Money in the Bank, that, that match itself. Um, you know, the empty arena wrestling, I feel bad because the, the wrestlers are giving it their all and, and they're really, you know, busting their butts out there. It's just they're putting it into an atmosphere where they can't win. And uh, I, I feel bad for that. So I, I feel bad criticizing the product too much right now when these guys really are giving it their all, and especially the talent, and not so much uh, the higher-ups, but definitely the talent. Well, I, you know, I, I think it's we asked for something different. Apparently, the WWE is just going to continue u- utilize their, uh, you know, the WWE films crew 
because they've done a great job with that Boneyard match and what we saw in NXT uh, with Gargano and Ciampa. And, and this clearly is going to be some kind of uh, WWE Films type of deal. So I, I expect it to be something like that, where it's kind of uh, you know f- uh, filmed well. I understand it's already been taped a couple of weeks ago, so it's it probably sh- it should be compelling, if nothing else. Yeah, I think uh, they nailed it out of the park with that Boneyard match. I think that um, exceeded everyone's expectations. Uh, the Firefly Funhouse match with Cena and Bray Wyatt, the, the response was a little more mixed, but overall still positive. Uh, I can see why people did not like that match. You know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're going in expecting Hogan versus Andre and you see some random sketch, <laughs> you're you're probably going to be upset. But uh, I, I enjoyed it, and I think uh, I think that match in particular will be uh, uh, really well done. The other ones, it's you know, it's still going to be the same empty arena wrestling, and you know, hopefully they implement some changes because it is going to be live. The rest of the matches are going to be live. The Money in the Bank matches uh, were taped uh, a few weeks ago at the WWE headquarters. Any idea who won? Did they, did they get they get a scoop? <laughs> uh, no, no, they've been really good at blocking spoilers. We wouldn't report those anyway. Um, but I, I mean, my predictions would be: I think, uh, I think AJ. I think uh, AJ Styles for the men's money in the bank. I just think holding the briefcase is a heel move because you're usually cashing in when someone's down and out. It's rare you see baby faces with the briefcase. And when you do like a John Cena, you know, they're usually doing the noble thing and challenging, you know, the, you know, challenging for the title at a pay-per-view and not using the element of surprise. Usually there's been some, uh, uh, some exceptions. So I, I think AJ Styles would probably be taking the men's. And with the women's, it's I would think it's probably between Nia and Shayna, and I, I I don't know. I think Shayna Baszler needs something. She's lost a lot of steam, so I can see them going with her for now. Raj, I really enjoy the podcast and actually being able to watch after Raw and SmackDown. You, Glenn, and uh, and the Blueprint, Matt Morgan, being able to talk about what you what you've seen here, Matt. Matt's very interesting. I, I, you never know if he's in a car. I don't know if he's in his attic. <laughs> it's always a different look, and he's always drinking something out of a gallon jug. I don't know what that is, uh, but he, he keeps it very interesting because it's always a mystery. <laughs> Raj, what is he doing there? I, it's very odd. Well, it's, you know, over there in Florida, it's pretty late. So in order to not keep the, you know, keep the, the wife and uh, son up, he'll, he'll go to the car sometimes. Uh, you know, if 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 the wife is up, then he'll a lot of times do it from in the house. But, you know, he's involved in a lot of bodybuilding competitions and he's, you know, in, in great shape. So it's all, he's always keeping himself hydrated with those, uh, those juices and stuff. So it, uh, you know, I, I, I admire it. I, I need to get back to working out. Cause it's been a, it's been a bad, bad month. Oh yeah. Oh, no question about that. So if someone went to wrestlinginc.com, what would they find Raj? Uh, we have just tons of news, tons of content, podcasts, videos, uh, with articles. We, you know, we have anywhere from, uh, 25 to 50 articles a day. Um, our ex- own exclusive interviews in recent weeks, weeks, we've talked to, uh, we've had Ric Flair, John Moxley. Um, uh, we got Sid Vicious coming up, which, which should be a fun one. Uh, Christian, uh, so Tons of exclusive content, and yeah, just we try to keep it, we try to keep it informative, but also entertaining. It is wrestling after after all, so we try not to take ourselves too seriously while also making sure anything that is important is reported uh, as it should be. Well, Raj, I'm glad you spent some time with us here in Chicago. Just want to let people know about your site and uh, that we're all watching. It's uh, it's an, a very 
an interesting time in the wrestling business. And on the other side of this COVID-19 will be, uh, I'll be very, it'll be compelling to see how wrestling companies are able to funnel wrestling fans back into arenas and, and how the numbers work that way from a television standpoint. So it should be, I think it'd be very compelling to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no one really knows. Uh, we know it's not going to be in the next month or so, but, uh, yeah, it's it, we're entering the great unknown for the rest of the year with not just wrestling but football and and everything else. Uh, so and baseball. So here's hoping that every you know uh, everyone stays safe and and things that do open up do so safely and and this thing is gone. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe fans won't take wrestling for granted anymore. When you get a ticket, make some noise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> think about that. <laughs> yeah, we well, don't about need that? no silent crowds when things do open back up. <laughs> it's like, well, this new Japan has just influenced everybody. I'm going to get a ticket. I'm just going to sit there for three hours and not root for anything. I understand it's raw and it, it can be that way, but maybe when, once you are able to get into the open with a crowd again, maybe make some noise at some of these places. That helps the the overall product. Maybe wrestling fans will realize that in, as a whole. We'll see. Absolutely. You go back and watch those uh, those late 90s, you know, uh, WWF, uh, Raw, and, and WCW Monday Nitro, and just hearing the pop that Goldberg would get, you know, when he's uh, hitting a spear or uh, the pop when Stone Cold would come out. That, that noise, it, it's, uh, it's infectious, and it just makes everything so much better. Raj, I'm glad you spent some time. Thanks for coming on the show, as always. Ah, thank you for having me. Raj Geary with us here uh, from um, having a great time with him from WrestlingInc.com right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. It is Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.